It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Eric, all this week we've been walking through certain dilemmas that we're facing as a culture, and it's all kind of flowing out of your Sunday sermon called the victim or the vaccine dilemma. I was going to say the victim dilemma, the, the vaccine <laughs> dilemma, where we're, we're addressing these issues of, okay, how do we, as specifically the body of Christ, not divide over these key issues, but rather how do we respond in such a way that showcases Christ foremost, but gives love? Yeah. And these have been really challenging topics. I mean, we were even talking yesterday after the gender confusion one. So we, we, we dealt with mass and then uh, social distancing. And then yesterday we dealt with gender confusion. And we were even talking afterwards <laughs> about like, did that even come across? Well, because, you know, we say love in a culture and culturally that means, well, let's accept, let's yeah. pat everyone on the back. When actually when we're talking love, we're talking about a rescue. Yeah. We're talking about bringing people out of yeah. sin into a place of restoration, healing and transformation. So these are not easy issues. It's hard for, because our, our even our language or our glossary has yeah. been altered. It's like 1984, George Orwell, where words have been switched. Yeah. And so as Christians, we know what we mean. But when we say it, it doesn't always get translated the way we mean it. And so uh, it is a challenge. And I, I think we're secretly enjoying the the week, even though it's... Speak it's, for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like a challenge. So do you. And... These are hard because and I think the main reason it's hard is we're not trying to prescribe a specific response. Like with the vaccine, we're not saying, you know, to, you know, it's evil to take it or it's uh, it's evil to not take it or to get it. And those are these are division points right now. And it could easily splinter the body of Christ, just like masks have this whole past year. Masks, it's ridiculous of an issue as it is to splinter a church. It has done that. And so what we were talking about is basically how we don't play the enemy's game anymore. We begin to play God's game. Yeah. God's game takes what the enemy means for evil and flips it and turns it for good. And that's what we need to be doing right now. We need to be of one mind, one spirit, one purpose as the body of Christ and be taking it to the enemy as opposed to the opposite. And uh, so, again, we have another doozy of a topic today uh, that I think the title might be somewhat misleading. As we've been breaking this one down, uh, defunding the police triggers a whole bunch of things. So there's probably some people that are listening to this just to go, oh, I'm fascinated to see where they're going to go with this one. And it's probably not going to go where most people would expect, because technically, I think what we would like to touch on is more of the racial issue that is flowing out. Like defunding the police is an outflow of certain dynamics racially that are being spiked in our culture. And being two white guys, it's an interesting discussion point because uh, in a strange way, we don't have any voice right now. And we shouldn't even be talking on these things unless we're just going to nod our head and, and say apologize. Yes. Yeah, and apologize. Yeah. So it's hard. It's a really difficult thing to be a pastor, to be a leader, to speak clearly on issues that are uh, hypersensitive. And racial things are not things that we, we don't even usually think about race. And people could say, well, that's because you're white. And I could almost say back to that, granted, that that's possibly true and because we were never the oppressed group throughout most of history. And, but that's part of what we wanted to talk about. You know, you go back to uh, Germany 
1931 or so. So Hitler's coming onto the stage. Right about this time, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, who many of us in the Christian circles know, a uh, great theologian, uh, he, he's coming over to the United States. I don't know if it was for seminary. He was coming over here to, for some kind of training. And he was in New York, and he saw a dynamic of racial inequity that shocked him. He saw how the African-Americans were being treated in our country. And he was just like, you know what? That doesn't, it's not fitting of Christianity. You know, so if this is a Christian country, that's not fitting. And he was startled by it. And he actually made a statement that we have no such racial prejudice in Germany. Now, that's just so funny because at the time, Germany is literally moving towards one of the greatest evidences of racial prejudice that has ever existed, and that's the Holocaust. And so Hitler is arising, and there's this thing called Aryanism. And there was a certain uh, selection of races that were approved and sort of, you know, were checked off and they're they're fine. But then there was others that were on the uh, disapproval list, and the Jews being one of them. And many of us, especially with white skin, have never gone through such a such a challenge as that. And, you know, as I've studied it, because I've studied that in depth uh, and the 30s and the oppressions and the Aryan uh, movement more and more so into that culture, ultimately leading to concentration camps and the elimination of a people. It's shocking to hear it. But the question is, what's it like to live through it, to be a Jew, to be one who is uh, picked on, to be one who is lesser in society because of uh, race, because of ethnicity. And when I look at our our country's history, uh, you know, I'm not a cancel culture guy. I love America and I even love our history. It doesn't mean I celebrate every aspect of it. And we have had racial uh, inequities in our culture. And I don't want to throw out our constitution because of it. I don't want to throw out our culture because of it or every aspect of it, because we have some wonderful aspects of our history that support all races. They really do. But I can see how, uh, especially the African-Americans have felt oppressed and and I could understand why they would have a sensitivity on that point, whereas I, as a, as a white American, wouldn't. And so it's, that's what's interesting. When we get to this, and we're calling this defunding the police, but it's more of a movement of the critical race theory in our culture. And being white, we're starting to feel something. We're feeling an oppression. We're feeling a, a denigration. We're feeling a the same thing that maybe even the Jews felt, or maybe even the African-Americans have felt. And some people would say, it's good for you. It's good that you get to feel it. However, we're not always handling it very well because we're not used to it. It is an oppression and it's unhealthy. It's it's evil in its nature. And so here's the thing that you and I wanted to bring up. And this is where we flip the tables on this discussion is we could easily begin to pout and we could get frustrated. How does one handle? What is the healthy way of handling racial oppression? or any kind of oppression, governmental oppression, where a people group is segregated out and deemed misfitted for the culture. What's the proper way? Could you begin to speak to that uh, sort of now I've set the table, uh, you get to <laughs> chew on the meal? <clears throat> it is interesting. Just to add one more thing to this too. Uh, I don't think I ever thought 
or I, I can't I can't recall a single time I've ever thought about someone's skin color yeah. growing up. Yeah. It's only been as culture we were pushing against this racism stuff yeah. that it's like suddenly sparking yeah. all this. It's like you almost have to be extra sensitive and you're yeah. you're going, oh, I. I never actually realized now you were I black. Now I need to notice uh, yeah, skin color. Yeah, I, I never realized you were Asian. Like, <laughs> and it, it's a it's a funny thought, but I genuinely just wanted to love people, and so I've got yeah. great friends from all these different backgrounds and cultures and skin colors, and it's not, it's only been this last year that I was, I suddenly noticed I'm like, you are Asian, wow, you are black. <laughs> I'm like, that's amazing, and it's been interesting though that the more this culture has been pushing on this racism stuff, the more it's actually, I think it's caused racism stuff. But to go back to what we're talking about, it is interesting that the moment you start to feel any of this pressure, and I I think there's no longer a group that can uh, claim that they don't feel it. Because as you go through history, you know, you have have the different uh, non-white groups, you know, because you have everything from the Asians to the black to the, I mean, you name it, there was oppression stuff. Then there was that split of, well, the male-female split. And then now it's like even the if you're a white male, you're starting to be like, okay, don't you have no voice, you have no authority, just apologize the fact that God yeah. made you white yeah. and a male. And it's interesting, it is so easy the moment you start to feel that pressure to suddenly uh, play the victim card mm-hmm. and to suddenly say, woe is me and the world is against me. And and it's amazing it's how quick you can easily turn within and start self-protecting start uh, self-justifying, mm. start self, self, self. Mm. When biblically that's called sin. So the moment I turn within and the moment I start to self-preserve, self-protect, self-justify, self-whatever, biblically that's actually sin. I'm not to be inward focused. And so it's, it, is a, it is a hard thing in this culture. And again, I, don't, I think everyone has this propensity at this point, but you have to choose not to live in this self-pity or this victim mentality just because culture is beginning to push mm-hmm. against you. Even the church at large is starting to face some pressure. Yeah. So what are we doing as, as the body of Christ? Well, we're starting to play the victim card yeah. as, as a corporate body. Yeah. And that's actually not what we yeah. as Christians are supposed to be doing. There is such a bait. Like we all have a victim card. It's all in our, in our wallet. When we first pop out of our mother's womb, we have a victim card in there. It's playing it that creates the havoc in our life. Anyone who has ever played the victim card, it never prospers their life. And yet many of us feel like the only way to be recognized is to play this and to to say this is unfair. And it is fascinating because I would say, you know, my mom, when I was growing up, used to always say, Eric, self-pity, you know, that's one of the greatest evils you could ever participate in. And self-pity is just like, it seems like such a small, fluffy, furry, cute little creature. It can't be that dangerous. Self-pity is the victim mentality. They're picking on me. The church, and this is the reason we're sharing this message. If we're going to talk about dilemmas, it's how the church should be responding. Okay? No matter, the church is made up of every race. Okay? That, that doesn't divide us as Christians. We don't even see race in the church. Okay? The world may see it. We don't. However... We're we, not supposed to. We're not supposed to. Not like you're saying. It's not that we don't see race because the world is constantly saying it right now. It's just that it's not the issue. It's not a dividing issue for it's for us. We love everyone, and that's a Christ attribute. But we need to recognize 
that the church is being played right now, where the church in one corporate movement is holding up the victim card saying, hey, you're mistreating us. Hey, and we need to be very watchful not to turn inward as the church. The early church, when we talk about the days of Rome and of extreme persecution and uh uh, what arenas where Christians were being fed to lions. I mean, talk about victims. I mean, they were real victims, but they didn't live as victims. Yeah. You may be a victim. Jesus was a victim on the cross, but he didn't live as a victim. He was triumphant. He was a victor. And our attitude in the midst of it, if you are an oppressed people group, okay, now I know no one, if, if you and I were to say we're an oppressed people group, people actually would probably be offended by that because we're white males. And that's the one group that deserves to be oppressed because they have never been oppressed before. But now we get to our little share in it, and it probably isn't as severe as most people groups have gone through, right? But we can still play the card right now. And almost every single person on earth has that card and they're whipping it out right now. We as Christians cannot do it. We need to be victors. And we as white males in this time, need to be victors. We need to be triumphant in our attitude and never go to the self-pity mode. It is a mode that cripples and kills and no good fruit is ever born out of it. So if we're going to bear good fruit as a church, we cannot be victims right now. We need to triumph in this day of oppression and difficulty and show the world how Christians behave when under pressure. Which includes every color Every individual, that's right. Whether you're male or female, whether you're red, yellow, black, or white, <laughs> I won't break out into the song. <clears throat> but we we are called to triumph. I, I want to read a passage. I think this would be really good just to even summarize a lot of this. Yeah. Paul is so strong on this idea that you are not to be self focused. Yeah. That as a Christian, we are to be known by love, which is outward focused. It's how can I serve, not how can I be served. How yeah. can I pour my life out, not how can I self protect. And I love what he says in Philippians chapter two, uh, the climactic verse is verse five, which says, let this mind or let this attitude or let this perspective be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on and describes that mind, that attitude, that perspective of Jesus, which is all about serving, pouring your life out, bearing a cross. Well, right before that in verses one through four, he's talking about that exact same thing in the corporate body of how do we live as Christians which again is marked by this mind, this attitude of Christ. Mm. But let me just read Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. <clears throat> Paul says, let nothing be done at a selfish ambition. And by the way, I'm pretty sure you know this. The word nothing in Greek, uh, you want to guess what it means? It means nothing. It means nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> let nothing be done at a selfish ambition, but in humility, esteem others better than himself. Which means you actually cannot play that victim card. Yeah. And then he goes on and says, let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also the interests of others. And it's interesting. There's a lot of Greek manuscripts, the early manuscripts that actually remove the words only and also that one proper way you could actually translate this is look out not for your interests, but for the interests of others. Hmm. And it's it's a good reminder, I think, as Christians of we are not to self-protect. Uh, we, are, we are not to think about ourselves. We're not to just to turn inward and live in that woe is me and look what the world is doing and look at yeah. rather it's look at Christ. Yeah. How, how can I showcase Christ? How, how can I pour my life out for the world around me? And even if the world persecutes, even if the world doesn't understand, even if the world oppresses, we, we are to be yeah. triumphant and pour out that life and that love of Jesus Christ uh, to everyone around us. 
uh, regardless of color, regardless of gender, regardless of that we, yeah. we are to be Christians. Amen. Amen. Well said. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Note that our live in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume on weekdays this coming June at the Ellerslie campus in conjunction with our discipleship training season. Thanks for listening.